The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, April 14th, 2021, season 16, episode number 105. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are presented by Geico, and we are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And i uh, got my crew here with me, Nick Eatman, and we've got Amber Garcia. Dave's not in today, but we'll try to make it work. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to get into a lot of different topics. We're going to start first talking about some of the off-season training. There's been a lot going on around the NFL with regards to this topic. We've seen a lot uh, over the last couple of days with regards to some of the teams and how they plan to handle off-season training. We'll get these uh, we'll get these ideas or we'll get ideas from this group with regards to how we think that will affect the Cowboys. And then we're going to talk draft. Um, I've always heard it said from people who work in football that you really can't judge a draft until you're at least three, four years uh, into the players playing. Uh, so we're going to go back to the 2016 draft, and we're going to go all the way from there to last year's draft, and we're going to walk through those players and see what you guys think about uh, how good of a pick they ended up being for the Cowboys. I see that look on your face, Amber. You're locked and loaded, ready to go. Got a lot of opinions to give us. Well, you know what? It's like we always talk about how and Will McClay, he's great. I think his staff is great, and the job he's been doing here with the Cowboys is amazing. But just in general, when I know you sent us the list of these guys and looking at it, usually I've, I've always had like a higher view on every draft pick, and I know we're about we're gonna get into it. But then I'm like, huh, my idea or opinion has kind of changed at this point. That you look at some of these names, and you're like, uh. I thought he was really good, and I'm like, oh, whoa, was he drafted that high? Oh, okay. So it'll it'll be fun to get into it later. Yeah, I had some surprising moments myself as I was going through it, like, huh, I didn't realize he was that high, or I didn't realize he was that low, and they've gotten some production out of him. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting for some of the listeners out there to kind of hear some of that as well. How you doing today, Nick? I'm great. I'm great. Ready to jump in? I'm ready to go. All right, this, this first topic, though, I – I did this because I know Nick has some really, really strong opinions on it because you and I have had this conversation yeah. about off-season training. Basically, the way this is going right now, uh, obviously last year, because there was because COVID was going on, uh, teams did all their off-season work remotely. And as a result of that, what we've heard from the NFLPA and from the, the leadership of the NFLPA is that they want to continue doing that this year and probably going into the future because they feel like it's better for the players to not train as much during the off-season. That being said, what we've seen over the last couple days is the NFLPA has basically told players, hey, there's not most of this stuff is voluntary. So if teams are not going to change the rules and say and they want teams to, to or players to train in person, then we're advising you guys to not show up. And not show up until it's mandatory, which would be the mini camp that happens uh, in, I think, in June. That being said, let's start first with um, – what players do you think? What What do you think players will miss by not having off season training in person and just doing it all remotely? Well, the first of all, the big part of off season training is the training part of it. It's the actual. It's the off season conditioning program. That's that's what it's called. And so, um, you know, I would imagine that it's a lot easier to train and condition and lift weights when there's a guy helping you do that and there's 40 to 50 other players doing it all in groups you, you know you're trying to you know make sure that you get better here and you got this guy doing this and he's pushing each other all that as opposed to going to some you know I'm not going to name it I don't even know what our official sponsor is but some some place where you got to go and do your own workouts and all that so um, I think that's the biggest part of it is is that you know we always say Man, this guy in his second year or his third year is going to come back. He's going to look totally different. Well, if that's is that really going to happen? You know, like is that going to happen? I, I, if, if you have to do it on your own, so I think the conditioning program part is the biggest thing. Uh, getting them all here, and, and from what I've been told, there has been a very good turnout so far with the guys in the weight room. But we'll see what happens if if you know they're advised differently. 
Yeah, I saw an article yesterday from Tom Pelissero where he said the Cowboys right now lead the league with regards to players that have been working out in their facilities. I think the number was like 25. Next closest team was like 20. And one of those teams, Denver, who had 20, they put out a statement yesterday as a group saying that they were planning on not going to, to train in person. Um, and so I think it, you know, we'll see how this all plays out for yeah. the Cowboys. Amber, do you think that there are there are issues that the Cowboys would have to face if they don't have that off-season training in person? I think there are, but um, real quick, just in general, going back to last year and some of the things that we did get to see last year from a virtual off-season, and again, I'm not an athlete, I'm not an expert, so I don't really know, but we did notice a crazy amount of injuries during the season, like not just with the Cowboys, all around the league and big players. These weren't even... One-year guys or rookies, these were veteran guys that, those are the guys that I believe Nick says are in those meetings saying, well, we know how to take care of ourselves. And of course, you're never trying to get injured, but I think that maybe that's another layer as to why we got to see so many injuries last year, and, and it sucks. Um, but with the Cowboys, I, it's just tough because, once again, Mike McCarthy and having new players coming in. And again, you don't really know. Um, I know a lot of people talk about cultures and having culture in teams. And like, I don't really know what the culture is here. And uh, uh, we haven't had access to that side of the building aside from Nick. But just in general, I mean, how difficult is that? Because it didn't work out for the Cowboys last year. So once again, on a second year, I know he, he's more familiar with guys and things like that. But I think it's still important to, even if it's just workouts, to be around the guys and, and just be around the building and being able to talk face to face. It does make a difference. How much do you think that affects McCarthy's ability to lead this team in only a second year when he didn't have that last year? And more importantly, does this affect Dan Quinn in what would be his first year as the Cowboys defensive coordinator? That's going to be tough because Dan Quinn has a good, good reputation, but at the end of the day, you need to be there. You need to be present to, to actually make those uh, kinds of improvements. And right now there are so many questions hanging in the air and so many different guys that you haven't seen put together yet. But with Mike McCarthy, I don't know what to think about him because last year – when he talked to us in, in the media, he made it sound like everything was working out and it was great. And then, which is the what he has to say to at that point, right? Well, yeah, but at least I mean, if it's if it's difficult, at least say you know we're doing everything we can, but it's been challenging. At least say that. Yeah. yeah. But he wasn't like that. But nobody wants to yeah. hear that clearly because he said yeah. it the other day, and it sounded like you know that he, he it sounded like he was making excuses. I mean, I don't know what it. What else it could be? I mean, like what? I mean, nobody. It depends on what you you know what your agenda is as far as what you're listening to. Like, do you want to just say, ah, oh, the Cowboys suck, they're terrible? Well, then then the coach says that, and it's like he's just giving out excuses or whatever. But I mean, it's true though. It's true. I mean, what the challenges were the challenges, and 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 it's still going to be there if they're trying to implement a new defense. And you can say how good Dan Quinn is. Yeah, he, he might be. But when did he get fired from Atlanta? Last year. Last year when they couldn't figure out, you know, when they, they didn't have an offseason. And I'm not saying that was the reason, you know, because they had kind of been trending downward a little bit. But um, it, it's going to come down to – and this is this is such a tough situation for players. They're in a tough spot. Do they want to stick together as a union, NFLPA, is in, in encouraging this? Or do they want to say, you know what, last year sucked. We sucked. We need to be better than that. We need we, we we need you know we don't want to deal with that again. Let's get in here. Let's let's learn this defense. Let's get together as as a team. And do you go against your union by doing that? I mean that that's that's the challenge. And, yeah. And then then the NFL, like you said, the NFL steps in and says, no, now you know now it's a competitive disadvantage. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a seesaw thing back and forth here and. You know. So ho- hold on. Now that you said, mentioned the competitive disadvantage, is that each team has the option to do that, or like if it's the majority, then it's like league wise? No. Right now, right, right now. now, teams are being told. From what I understand, they're being told to do their stuff uh, uh, remotely. But I think there's going to be a point when they will have the opportunity to be able to do stuff in person, and that's where it becomes a situation where, let's say, for example, right now you got the Seahawks and you got the Broncos who have both issued statements saying 
as a team, as players, we don't plan to show up. So what happens if you get, I don't know, 15 teams, 20 teams that do the same thing and say they're not going to show up? Does it become a situation where the commissioner has to step in and say, okay, for the better of the league, so those other 12 teams don't get a competitive advantage, we're going to basically say everybody has to be remote, right? What point does it get to where the, where the commissioner has to step in or feels like he has to, or does it get to that point? Yeah. And it just becomes a competitive advantage, and it just is what it is. If your players decide to come, you're going to get an advantage. Those are a lot of things that I think the league's going to have to consider here and try to figure out before they make a final decision on how they're going to handle this. And I'll add one other level, level, level of complexity to this. Nick, you talked about do you stick with the union and kind of do that. What happens for those players who have money tied to off-season training? Mm-hmm. Like, there's some guys, their contracts are have stipulations in them. They get a certain amount of money for showing up to train in the off-season. So, are Workout they willing bonuses. to forego? Yeah. yeah, are they willing to forego that money in order to stick with the union? Because I don't think, I don't think the union or those players who are, don't want to show up are going to just give them a check and say, "Okay, we'll pay you instead of the teams." So, I yeah. know if it was my house, my wife would be like. Say, babe, you got a job. Go to your job. Right. Work. Right? So I think there's a, a whole different level of complexity that, that's going to be involved in this, and, and we'll see how it all turns out. But it's not just as simple as do it or don't. I think it's an individual decision in a lot of ways. Yeah, and then, and then you're going to throw on top of all of that, even if they guys do show up. and Now you're dealing with different uh, aspects of it, too, different layers, like covid now you know which are, are, are the players vaccinated or the ones that aren't. What how different are they? Are they going to be? I think the NFL came out yesterday and said that that if the players are not vaccinated, uh, no, that was actually for team employees that aren't team employees. Team employees aren't vaccinated. They won't be around players and all that. And then you know, and I, from what I've been told, the players that aren't vaccinated will be. They'll kind of go back into what happened last year, where they tested all Daily the time, testing, have yeah. masks, distancing. So there's going to be there's going to be some differences, obviously, in how you treat certain players. And and I know right now the Cowboys are focused on educating the players about the vaccine and and hoping that that many of them take it. Um, of course, you know you can't force them to do that, but it's it's just there's just so many different layers to this. It is. It, it's 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 why the NFL. That's why we're about a week away from starting, or actually four or five days away from starting, and the NFL still hasn't figured out certain rules and guidelines. So it's it's been really tricky. Yeah. So what you know of these players and this team and this culture around here, and obviously we mentioned that that you know the report came out that the Cowboys lead the league as far as number of players that are working out already in the buildings. We know a lot of these players live here in Dallas, so it's not like they're leaving at the end of the season to go somewhere else. This is where they live, and so it's a much easier thing for them to work out at the facility. That all being said, what do you expect to happen with the Cowboys players? Do you expect them to, as a group, pull out, or do you expect them to, to be all in and still be here working out. All in. I mean, I <laughs> we've seen we've seen it with different situations. When it comes to the Cowboys, just in general, it, whatever they want, whoever, like if Jerry Jones comes out and says, "Oh," which we know Jerry Jones has a certain expectation right now. If he's like wanting them to be here and be a part of it and just encouraging that, I feel that most likely everybody in that locker room will come together and be like, okay, let, let's be here because we've seen it happen, you know, in different scenarios. Again, we saw it with the whole protest during the, the anthem and things like that where they find a way to come as a group and do it together, whatever it is. And I feel that after the experience from last year and knowing that this year things are improving with like the vaccine and seeing the success that, especially the Cowboys, had with the protocols that they had in place we didn't get many cases here within the players as far as contamination and players that uh, got sick so i think that gives a certain level level of comfort and security and and knowing that you can actually do it so i would imagine they all come together and and are here together as a team and, and willingly you know not like they're being forced or anything but that they would actually want to do it I, I, that sounds good, and that 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 might be the case. I, I, what I don't know is, you know, again, it, it comes down to a lot of it is workouts, conditioning, all that uh, conditioning program, and you know, we uh, we know what happened last year. Obviously, the Cowboys lost uh, tragically, lost their strength coach in the middle of the season, Marcus Paul, mm-hmm. um, and you know they've they've you know. 
they're still getting that that program together, and 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 so some new faces there, uh, not entirely new, but but some. So you you kind of wonder, and I don't know what that would mean. Does that mean more unity or less? I I, I don't I don't know that. Um, so I, I I wish I had better answers. I mean, you're 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 trying to get into the head heads and minds of of certain players, and then. In those players, they got your veteran guys that probably agree with the union, agree with the NFLPA guys like uh, J.C. Treader. Yep, you know that, that's that's kind of leading that charge. And then I'm sure you've got guys that are younger and you know maybe guys that were injured and coming back. They're gung ho. They want to get back into this thing, and, and they're tired of of having to do this on their own. So I think even within a team, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you one way or another which way they would lean on this. I yeah. really don't. If I was going to answer this question, I would say I would answer it with a question. Tell me where Dak and Demarcus Lawrence fall on this. Once I know where they fall on this, then I can give you an opinion on what I think will happen to the rest of the players. Because I think those two players have a lot of sway in that locker room. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when you have veterans that are respected, that have an opinion, and they go into a room with the other guys and say, guys, here's my case. Here's why I think this is the right way to go. Especially with somebody like Dak, who is as charismatic as he is, those people tend to have people that follow them. It's the reason why he's a great quarterback, in my opinion, yeah. is because he has the ability to get people to buy in and 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 follow what he wants to do. So tell me what those two guys want to do, and I think that's what ends up happening with this team because I think you, they you have. You know he's going to be here. You well, know, you what know I don't know. He's... Let me. T- but I will say this: what I don't know, what I don't know is how does he fall? Does he think that ultimately? You can be a better player throughout the season if you have more downtime during the offseason. And downtime may not mean you're doing nothing. Mm. It just may mean you're not doing what they would have you doing if you were working out here, right? That's what I don't know. Everything I've seen and heard about Dax suggests to me he is an extremely hard worker. So I don't even know if that would buy in. That would be a thing for him. I think he probably would be like, let's work. But I yeah. just don't know. I've yeah. not had that conversation with him. And there's two parts of this. I, I've been talking about uh, focusing on the conditioning side of a conditioning program. As we get a little bit more into, uh, especially into May, you started talking about the OTAs, the organized team activities, which is a lot of the installing of the offense and the defense, um, especially defense, which is which is a new new scheme this year. And you're trying to be versatile and flexible to do all these different things. You certainly need to be on the field to try to do that. So. That's where I think the the big issue is going to be. That's where I think um, guys in the NFLPA feel like it's unnecessary to do that much teaching in OTA sessions. When I'm sure you know the the the, the, you know, the coaches feel like we don't have enough time. We have to cram all this stuff in here. So um, that's where I think if a team decides that they want to be really better. Conditioning is one thing, but teaching, installing. But that's the part that's still going to happen, right? Because I don't think. How? What, what I've heard is remotely, they're still planning to do everything remotely. So all of the training and teaching and classroom work, that's still stuff still going to happen. What the, what the players are saying is there doesn't need to be on-field stuff. Like they don't need the work on the field. They, need, they, they only need the remote stuff. Same thing they did last year. They have all the classroom work. They just didn't have the in-person on-field work. Well, I mean. As I speak from experience, I mean, I mean, are my kid are my kids learning better virtually or on, in the classroom? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you can you can you can just figure that out yourself. What I mean, if you had to sit there and, and learn, I mean, the same thing with a meeting or whatever. You know, it's it's hard to get someone's attention for that long. So, and you don't know if they're picking it up until you get them on the field right. and say, "Now do it." You know, that's when you find out if they're picking up all the information that you're teaching them in the classroom. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump in to draft talk. We're going to go through all these drafts. Going back to 2016, talk about every player. We're going to define whether they have exceeded expectations, met expectations, they're below expectations, or they're the dreaded bust. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. 
Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run Package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. Back to the break. Dallas Cowboys football and Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders dance youth camps are back this spring and summer for athletes and dancers of all skill levels. You can save $25 with early bird pricing now through May 10th. Register today at DallasCowboys.com slash academy. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at The Star. We are presented by Geico. We're going to talk draft. Um, we got the draft starting up two weeks from tomorrow, and uh, as I said before the break, like you really need a few years after your draft picks to really be able to evaluate. And, and I know after this draft, we'll have a ton of people that'll be out there saying giving draft grades, but it's just really premature until you can see how get how guys get into the league and how they uh, how they how they acclimate to their jobs, their new jobs, their new environments, and then you can determine. So we're gonna go back to 2016 and beyond. Uh, I'm sorry, 2016 and forward, and talk about each of the draft picks the Cowboys have made. And I'm going to give a name, and I want you guys to tell me if you think they exceeded expectations, they met expectations, they're below expectations, or they were a bust. Question. Are these expectations as far as in the general public and what just overall people thought about the player or personal expectations? Personal expectations, but I think I'm looking for more... Based upon where they would draft. Yeah, where they So what you would generally think of a first-round pick, did he meet your expectations? Mm. Second round, did he meet your expectations? It's that kind of – because I think that factors in. Sure. Everybody has different thoughts on that. Right. I mean, of what you think of first or second and third, you know. And also, where in the first round are you right. are you taking these guys? Yeah. So, all right. So let's start with the first one. 2016 first-round pick, uh, Zeke Elliott. Met expectations above expectations. Where is he? Um, I think he he certainly met the expectations. I think he's above them a, a little bit. I mean, really? Yeah, I think. I mean, when when you when you drafted him, when they drafted him, and you said uh, he's going to lead the league in rushing you know, three times, and uh, he's going to be, you know, he, he's going to single hand, not single handedly, but he's going to carry this team right now on his back with a rookie quarterback, and they're going to go and they're going to go, you know, thirteen and three. Um, wow, you're not expecting that. You're expecting a really good running back, but you don't, you know, if you expect all of that. Now, he, you know, it's been five years, and he's kind of he's, he's starting to trend downward. So uh, you wonder this is a big make or break year for him to kind of like where his career is going to be defined. But I think he's definitely met the expectations. I think he exceeded them a little bit for me. I would agree with that. I think he exceeded it just because of just like Nick mentioned. The, how much he carried the team and how much load was put on his back when he got here. Um, just taking everything into account, I think he – and I guess knowing and me watching since I started working with the Cowboys all the different running backs and what they had done up to this point, and then here comes this guy called Ezekiel Elliott and goes in there and does what he was doing – it, to me, it was impressive, and it definitely was above what I was expecting from a running back. 
I don't know if I'd go all the way with above expectations. I think he met expectations, and that probably is because my expectations for the fourth overall pick in the draft is exactly what he provided. He came in here and was immediately an impact player, probably one of the best players, not probably, was one of the best players on this team, um, had some off-the-field stuff that he had to deal mm-hmm. with, but but was by far among the best in the league since he's been in the league. So that's what you would expect from a four, a number four overall pick. The reason why I wouldn't put it above that is because of last year, really. You look at his performance last year. You look at his production last year. You start to wonder, like, is, is this kind of the plateau? Have we already seen the plateau for him? If it's a number four overall pick, you expect him to still be ascending at this point in his career. That I don't know. And I want to see what happens this year. I agree with you, Nick. This is a critical year for him, in my opinion, because I want to see if last year was an aberration or if it's a situation where he's still ascending. It was just a weird year for everybody. He was coming off, uh, you know, uh, having a – I mean, he was coming into a situation where he had COVID and and just not – everything was not set up the way that it should be f- to get success out of your running game. You missed the two tackles. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the quarterback. There's a lot that you can point to. Mm-hmm. But that would be the reason why I didn't say he exceeded it. Okay, right. I <laughs> thought you wanted. To, I thought you wanted to go back at it a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I. It just. It, you're right. I mean, fourth overall pick, you expect that, but I mean, you know, he's in. Is this his sixth year? You know, I yeah. mean, after midway through his fifth year, he's the third all-time leading rusher in Cowboys history. I mean, you know, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. I mean, and and I, you know, I think it's easy to answer that now and say, well, he's starting to kind of go down a little bit, but. I mean, he. I, I wouldn't have. If you would have just said on draft day, oh man, everyone's excited, all this stuff. You know, everybody's saying LFG. You know, the Zeke. And if you said this is going to be a stats, I'd been like, wow, okay. So I, I was a little bit more impressed by by yeah. that. And and again, this is not me saying I'm not impressed, and I don't think he's done his job. He's certainly done his job, and I think he's earned everything he's gotten here. I think the difference is like that's what I would expect from a fourth from yeah. the fourth overall yeah. pick in the draft. I expect him to be Hall of Fame caliber. Got it. And and so he's on that line and so let's see where he goes from here. He's still got some more years to put in if he's going to get to the Hall of Fame, but he's on that track, right? And that's where I think he should be. All right. Let's move on to the next one. This will be interesting. The second round pick for the Cowboys that year uh was one uh Jalen Smith. He was the 34th overall pick at the beginning of the second round. Where do you think he falls? Exceeded Met below or bust. This is tricky because of the expectations of the pick and the player, not just yep. the thirty fourth overall player. This is the I mean of the pick. This is the player specific. Uh, player specific. He exceeded expectations for me, without a doubt. He made the Pro Bowl. He he exceeded expectations. Wasn't sure he was ever going to play. I really didn't, and neither did they. They didn't know. They didn't know. They, thought they had a good idea. They, they had a good idea because good the guy idea. that did the do, uh, the surgery was one right. of their team doctors. But the nerves had not had they haven't fired up yet. They didn't know, and for him they did. They finally got to play. He's made a Pro Bowl. Is he everything you want him to be? No, he's not. He's not, and he he frustrates people in many different ways at this point. But. The fact that he played, got that contract, all that, he exceeded my expectations for what I ever thought he was going to be. Amber. Such a tricky one. That, that is. is very, Because you're going on tricky. record with this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, I'm just so so in defense of, of exceeded because of the injury aspect. But then it's... I don't. I don't know what to tell you. I, I choose skip. I skip this. <laughs> no, that's one option you don't have. No, no, I, I really don't know because it depends how how far you look at it. I thought um, a couple of years ago after the the he got back into you know when he got back in got into the field with the Cowboys and all that. I'm like, okay, he has some some growing to do and some hesitation in his movements and all that. And then you start seeing some improvement and then it got to the point where you're like, okay, we're past the injury. Now we're actually evaluating him and looking at, at him as a legit NFL linebacker. But then he wasn't meeting those expectations for me as a when you start judging different linebackers around the league. So it's just... I guess met on okay. with a little exceeded just because of the injury, but I don't, I don't know. As of right now, he I would call it a bust, but no, it depends how far we go. <laughs> no. But that that also no, well, is the complexity of well, no, he did sign a new contract. How far? How long is the contract for? 
Uh, it was like a five-year deal. I mean, you 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 could say I wouldn't from, say he's a bust, but you, you know what you, I mean. Not as a bust as a dra- as a draft pick. No. I don't think you could say that now, but you could say, and we usually don't term the word bust on free agents, you know. But from the free age, from the time he signed the contract to now, he certainly has not met expectations. He's below expectations as a player. After in his second, you know, contract. That's a better way to put you it. You could also make the case for everybody that signed a contract, other than maybe Zach Martin. You know, Zeke. I, we disagree a little bit Zeke. on that. Yeah. And then you know, D Law. I mean, like, I, yeah, you that, and I disagree on D Law. Yeah, I mean, I but, think he's met expectations, but but that's also because I don't value him just in sacks. I value him in a lot of other things, too, that I think he's contributed to this team, particularly his ability to stop the run and just to make impact plays. Like I think he is the most impactful defensive player you have, and that's what you're paying him to be. And I don't think you can name another guy that's been more impactful than Demarcus Lawrence on this defense. No, but if you said, hey, okay, and and, and – where is he on that? I mean, he's he's in 2014. Okay, he's not even on yeah. this list. Yeah, he's not gonna get on. Yeah, this. he's not gonna get on this list. But I mean, but that just says how much like he's still here after 2014 and productive. Right. That, that value. Right. But you say, all right, we're paying you to to do this, and then on the day he signed, it'd be like, so what's gonna happen in the future? What do you see in the next few years? Well, guys, I see myself getting about six sacks one year, three and a half another. Uh, I see us being on the worst defense in the history of the Cowboys as far as giving up points. But I'm going to be the best of that, you know. So it's like, okay, well, he can't help the guys that are around him. He can't. like, are you really going like that defense last year? He was not the problem. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I left game saying, man. Demarcus Lawrence, like they got to do something about him. No, that was not the no, problem. He's he's the best of the group, but I mean, I mean, somebody's got to be the best of of a, of a historically bad defense. And I'm just saying, if he was that much a 21 and a half million dollar okay. a year player at, to rush the passer, you could make a little bit more of a difference. That's all I'm saying. So so name a guy that is in the league that is that caliber of player that doesn't have other guys on the defense with him. Like other good players on the defense with him. I don't know. I don't know what the Bears have. I don't. I don't know. Well, we know the the sack totals over there weren't what you would expect for the amount of money they're paying him either last no, year. No, no, right? and it's not. And, it's, and again, it's not always sack totals. Right. I, it I, it, it's it's pressures, and and D Law's got and a lot of pressures. Plays, yeah. He's got he's got a lot of pressures there. I, I'm, all I'm saying is is that everybody gets them. When you're on the worst defense in the history of the Cowboys as far as giving up points. Everybody, we got it, Nick. Okay, keep saying that. You keep okay. saying that about just, the worst. Defense I'm just saying he, Cowboys history. He gets a we little. He gets a little bit too. I mean, imagine if he said he didn't. No, imagine if he said no. I did my job. I mean, Look, he would I get be it. Public enemy number three. I get it. When you're the leader, by default, you have to take yeah part of the blame when things don't go well. I get that. All I'm saying is, I think the Cowboys paid him to be the best player on their defense. That's how he's being paid. I think he is that. Now, he can't control what they do in draft and free agency when it comes to the corners and the linebackers and the defensive tackles and all that other stuff. He can't control that. So he can only play with what he has. So he can do what he can do. And if offenses say, hey, we're going to take him out of the game, we're going to try to limit him, it requires somebody else to step up. And if yeah. they're not willing to step up. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think your, your environment and the people that you have around you, uh, despite of how good you are, it does, at the end of the day, affect your own personal performance because yeah. it's kind of like depending on the energy and who's like you you need someone else to be able to do that and if you look at the flip side we just talked about Zeke and I think that's exactly the same thing that happened on the other other side of the ball Zeke wasn't you know to me he was the best player there but he wasn't able to do what he was expected to do because of the situation. So and same I, thing goes with D-Law. And I expect more from him. He, you line up predominantly on the left side of the defensive line. You're facing the opposing team's right tackle every play. I would imagine you would get a little bit more help. I mean, more sacks than that. And getting chipped. And getting chipped. And getting doubled. Get like, that all it. comes with it, too. I get like, it. Let's not, let's I, not leave, let's not leave I, that out. I get it, but that's... They all get chipped, and they all get doubled, and you've got to be able to make some Some plays. more than others. <laughs> I'm guessing Dorrance Armstrong doesn't get the same kind of attention as DeMarcus. And on every other every Tuesday, he doesn't get the same attention either in his Absolutely. bank account. <laughs> Let's go. We're spending too much time on a guy not on this list. Wait, this you list know, is you long. Know I've realized during this conversation, I've realized <laughs> this is going to span into next week's show. Like, we're two players in on five years' worth of well, draft. So, 
Yeah, there's one player on this 2016 list we can we can definitely skip over if we want to. But well, uh, I okay. I'm actually I want to make sure we get to him because obviously it's going to be real quick. But let's start with let's let's go with Malik Collins. He was a third round pick in 2016. Is he uh, above at or below expectations? He met expectations for me. Uh, a third round pick for me. You go up there and you be a be a good player, be a solid player, have some have some good moments, be a starter. Start. And yeah. uh, you know when times to, to sign the contract. I mean you get you get money. Now he didn't get money here. You got to remember big difference here in evaluating these guys is that there was coaching changes. Head coaching changes, but also coordinator changes, and and one of them happened when he was up for contract. Do you want to go to the to the uh, guy that drafted you, Rod Marinelli, and the Raiders, and go there, or do you want to try a different scheme here? So you know, I think they would have liked to keep him, but not at, at that money. So I thought he met expectations. I don't really know how you judge a third round pick, but based on personal expectations I think to me he he exceeded them especially towards the last year honestly he's not a guy that attracts a lot of attention or gets attention overall but his last year I remember at training camp and in games I would be watching him and I I began appreciating his value a lot more than I used to so to me I think that towards the end he didn't Exceed expectations I, from I, my judging. I expect a third-round pick to uh, definitely make the team. But uh, to be a contributor as a rookie, uh, whether it be special teams, rotational, and then also at your position by your second year, I think you should be definitely be competing to start. Remember, they drafted you with mm-hmm. the thought that you could get there. Uh, you should be starting by your second or third year, at least if it's defense, at least in one of those guys that plays a lot in a heavy rotation. And so... You know, and, and and then you know if you make the Pro Bowl or you, you're that kind of player, then you're certainly exceeding all that. You can't say every third round pick is Jason Witten, you know, because some of them are JJ Wilcox. I mean, you know, which which you know he started games too. I'm just trying to think of third round. He started, he but he you know, wasn't a great player. But you know, third round, you, you never really know. But I thought he met some. Yeah, I think that's why the pick matters, right? Yeah. Is because it you're in a third round pick, you're not expecting them necessarily to be great. Like they might not get that second contract from you. And they only, he got a one-year deal with the Raiders. Now he's got another deal with the, the Texans. So mm-hmm. he's kind of guy that might bounce around for a few more years, yeah. ends up with a, I don't know, seven- to ten-year career for a third-round pick, and he's going to be starting at a lot of those stops. That's yeah. a pretty successful career for a third-round pick. So for me, he met expectations. Didn't exceed it, but he met expectations. All right, real quick, before we take our final break, let's talk about Charles Tapper. Fourth-round pick, first fourth-round pick for the Cowboys. Um Met expectations, below expectations? Below. Below expectations. He did not he didn't he didn't hardly do anything and I don't think he's in the league at all, so no. I would expect him to be more what of a you, contributor. So what what did we use the term bust on? Because I was about to say bust. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I forgot him. Yeah. If you want, if you wanted to yeah, bust, bust. I, I think you could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was injured so much, and poor guy, I felt terrible. He had mm-hmm. zero luck, and great yeah. guy, great, you know. His story's uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. And, and always with a smile on his face, great dude, honestly. But it, it just sucks. He had the worst luck every time. Got injured with something. It was something else and something else. So we never really got to see him. And, too much on the field. And he, you know, sometimes players get judged by guys around them. Yeah. So when you're the when you're the first of two fourth round picks, and the second one turned out pretty good, eh, all right, it's gonna be tough for that first one. But he he didn't play. He didn't. He was he was a bust. I mean, I I think fourth round. I, I don't think anything past fourth round is a bust. See, I disagree with Unless you Unless they just don't show up and they were overweight and they didn't ever make it to camp or something. But I don't know, it's hard to bust as a... I, I personally think once you get past second round, I'm dicey about giving the okay. bust term. I, I because I, I look at that and I'm like, I don't think he was a bust for fourth round. There's a reason why you're in the fourth round. There are probably risks associated with you from a play standpoint, maybe from an injury standpoint, whatever the case might be. I don't look at him a bust. I just think that was a chance they took in the fourth round. And it didn't work out for him. That's not a bust because there's a reason why he's in the fourth round. Well, I'm not as proper as you guys. So my vocabulary is So like, you're like, bust. he's a bust. Bust. <laughs> no, but great guy. I, just, no, I always was. felt really bad for him. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take our final break. When we come back, hey, well, you want to just knock this one out? Because I'm going to say exceed. Sure, it's pretty easy. Exceeded expectations. Don't need to say much about that. <laughs> come on. All right, so we got one more done. That's there you great. go. We'll go to our final break. We'll come back. We'll finish off the 2016 draft. That shouldn't take too long. We'll jump into the 2017 draft, maybe get through that before the end of the show. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. 
Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay? Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back to the break. Get your draft coverage of the Cowboys way with the official 2021 Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine draft guide. The guide includes all the information and analysis you need to know for the Cowboys upcoming draft. Get your copy today for only $4.95 at DallasCowboys.com slash star. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studio at the Star, presented by Geico. Nick, put that up again so people can oh, see Star Magazine. Pointing at here, this camera. That, yeah, Chris will figure it out. But okay. that—that's what Nick is talking about. That's what you need to get if you're going to be. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, give it. it to me. Wait, All wait, right. Wait. So this is the magazine that go. Nick is talking about. Star Magazine. It is the draft special. Um, if you're going to be watching the draft. You need this. Like, you need this. This is the Bible of the draft. You can have all the players in here. Nick, your team put this all together, did a phenomenal job. Good job. Uh, But it's an opportunity for you to know about all the picks uh, throughout the draft that you can follow, and and you can follow along and kind of know what players are left on the board, read a little bit about each one, and just kind of know, kind of follow the draft. So it's a a must-have. You should check it out. Get it if you haven't gotten it already. And uh, use it for draft weekend. That's one of my favorite smells. If you have like an odd smell, that one, this this like freshly printed magazine. What's up with your boy? When I was a kid, and we used to go to like my dad would take me to games. Like I, I would always get the game program. Mm-hmm. I, I collected them. And there's mm-hmm. this when you get a new program and you're sitting in the stands an hour early and you're you know thumbing through it and all that and you smell just the smell like that is one of my favorite like it's a distinct smell but it's, it really just comes back to going to games as a kid yeah. but like that was one of my favorite things that actually takes me back to the days of jose cruz and cesar Cedeno. astros the astros when i was a kid that was always like i wanted a program so i could just flip through and see all the players up close see their pictures and yeah, it does. You're right. It's, it brings back the memories. It's not yeah. the smell so much as much as it I is just, yeah. just the memories associated with it. All right, let's jump back in. We're talking about the draft. Uh, we're in, still in 2016 draft. We're not going to get very far on this. Uh, but we do have a, a few other guys mm-hmm. in 2016, and one that I think is of a pretty significant consequence. Yeah. Sixth-round pick, cornerback Anthony Brown. Met expectations, below expectations, or exceeded expectations? He exceeded expectations for me. In fact, I've mentioned him a lot here lately when when we're talking about do you trade around, do you trade picks, do you move up? I want to get as many picks as I can. And because if you go and look, and, and I don't know how many years we're going to get to go here in the last five years, but if you look at all of the drafts, every draft, I believe, in the sixth or seventh round, the Cowboys are – somebody is, is helping you. Somebody's mm-hmm. playing. One year there's a couple of guys. Maybe this 2016. Yeah. So um, 
you know, you're throwing stuff at the wall in the sixth or seventh round. See what sticks, and I and, and things have have been able to stick uh, a couple of times. And they don't always, but you know, you, you draft three or four guys in those rounds, you're going to get one. Anthony Brown has exceeded for me. Agree, I, mainly because of how much the Cowboys have had to use him and rely on him. So, I mean, from a guy drafted at that round. I would imagine they would be gone by now. I mean, yes, but you know what I mean. A lot yep. sooner than and got a second contract. You know, he's 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 one of the higher paid guys. I mean, he's not he's not a great player by any means. I mean, but he he's been a a serviceable player that uh, started some games and he he's made some plays for you. So definitely exceeded. This is the quintessential example of what they call a value pick. Mm -hmm. To get a guy like this in the sixth round, and I I actually forgot he was that low of a draft pick. For some reason in my mind, I was thinking he was a fourth-round pick. But to be a sixth-round pick and be a guy that's that's giving you quality starts, again, he's not great. We're not going to pretend like he's great. But a guy that can give you solid production at the cornerback position, enough for you to keep him back for a second contract, and you got him in the sixth round, that's a valuable Use of a draft pick. And this is where I think, and you mentioned it, Nick, as we go through this over this show and the next show, this is where I think Will and his team do such a phenomenal job. You can look through all of these drafts, and there are sixth and seventh round picks that have made the team, and not only made the team, but have ended up starters for the team. Now, you can also, on the flip side of that, you could say, well, maybe that's why the defense hadn't been as good as it's been. Like, that's why they've had some of the results, is because they don't have as good a talent. But you get the sixth and seventh round pick. So if you have an argument with that, it's not about what they used the sixth or seventh round pick on. It's what they did with free agency and what they did with those earlier picks to get those more impact players. Because you got to have these kind of glue guys on your team. And I think they've done a phenomenal job here. And I think Anthony Brown's a good example of that. All right, let's move on to uh, Kayvon Frazier, sixth round pick. Above, met, below. Um, I guess maybe met. Judging on the round, I would say Matt. I mean, he, you definitely did not get as much used used from him as you did with Anthony Brown. But he and he struggled with injuries and all that, and had to battle with that being off the field. But I think, I mean, they they got a decent use out of him when they needed to. So I would just say Matt. Uh, I would probably say exceeded. Again, it's just my expectations. I don't always expect these guys to make the team. Uh, but, you know, when he, he made it uh, a few years, uh, he was here. He's a good special teams player. Uh, started a couple games, but, uh, you know, it just I thought I thought he was a, he was a good role player. Still in the league, I believe. He plays for the Dol- Dolphins. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's been good. Yeah, when you, again, when you got a six-round I mean, player yeah. that uh, five years later is still playing in the NFL, to me that's exceeding expectations. That's what you want, and I think he, he provided what, what he needed to provide for this team uh, being drafted where he was. Finally, that, that draft ended with a six-round pick, Darius Jackson, running back uh, above, met, below. What do you think? Met, I mean, bounced around, played okay, never good enough to make the team. Probably came here three times. Had some injuries. Um, just you know, just just was a guy. wasn't I mean, didn't really wasn't below. It's hard to be below expectations. You that know. low in the draft. That yeah. low. Yeah, I guess so. Same thing because he he. I mean, they just could never find a place for him. But he served as a body for practice and all that. So I guess Matt. I don't know where your list is, like if you missing a guy here, but I mean. Rico Gathers was in this draft too in the sixth round. Did you yeah. conveniently leave him uh, off? No, I didn't. I accidentally left him off, and it's not the first time I've accidentally no. left him off something. Just it yeah. happens. And you know, he. But see, I think it's a good example of that's what you're doing. You're you. This is when you start taking risks. The Cowboys have done right. it their whole like for sixty years. They've been doing this. Um, you never know. I mean, Antonio Gates. I don't remember when he was actually drafted. I mean, he didn't play. He didn't play a lot of football at all. He played. Mm-hmm. He played basketball. Uh, turned out to be great player. I mean, it doesn't always work. Jimmy Graham it worked. It, it didn't work. But I mean, you know, I think I think he he met expectations. You know, you can even say exceeded them because he actually played in a game. He learned how to do it and played in a game, and he wasn't great, but he played some. He caught a couple passes. Um, he was good preseason player so you know he 
I think it was fun to talk about while it lasted. I wish I still wish they would have tried him at a different position mm-hmm. and just yeah. given that a try because he just didn't have the talent. And I know he played basketball and all that, but he just didn't have the talent and the body flexibility to play that position at tight end. So I regret them not giving him a chance at another spot. Maybe he would have performed better there, but yeah, that's a, a total experiment. Yeah, I think offensive line, I mean, it's just, I, that's what I wish he would have done, is offensive line. I think he could have been a really, he would have been, yeah. could have been really good. You look at the guy, and the name Parnell? escapes me right now. I no, I, but that's another example. Okay. But the guy that ended up in Philadelphia, came from Buffalo, uh, who's still playing for Philadelphia now. He was a guy that, that originally was a that kind of athlete. I think he was a tight end. Or John Andrews? No, I mean, no, no. I mean uh, um, uh, oh, Jason Peters? Jason Peters. He was originally a tight end, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he went to Arkansas. He was originally right. a defensive end until they needed him to be a tight end. And, right. And, you but know, yeah. The level of athleticism. Exactly. Right. Baller. And turned into a really, really good left tackle, right? Yeah. So um, you're right. It Hall of Fame. Really good. Yeah. Ish. I mean, he, he right. will be on that ballot. I don't know if he gets it, but he'll be on right. that ballot. So, so yeah, you're right. It could have turned into something completely different, but I think everybody was hoping that this turns into. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, everybody was hoping this would turn into the next tight end that used to be a basketball player. Yeah. Because that was, you know, that's kind of been the MO. The, the problem is, is that Jason Peters, Jeremy Parnell, those guys, they, they want to figure out a way to stay in the league. And on their body types, a little different, too. Yep. Um, the guys that, that probably should have done that but didn't, Rico Gathers. You can make the case for Martellus Bennett. I think Martellus Bennett could have been one of the greatest Offensive tackle because he was a good blocker, he, tight end, really good blocker, yeah. and 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 he showed at one year he showed he can get up to two ninety like in the offseason, you know, uh, he 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 could he could have carried that weight well. He'd been really good, but demeanor wise, we know Martellus, we know Rico, offensive tackle isn't that's not no that's not what they want to do, and and that's okay that's okay too. But I mean, it's hard to convince them of. You know, you know, this could be a star position. It's like they're not dunking over the goalposts and making plays like that. But from a mentality standpoint, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that on Martellus because I, I do think. No, Martellus, I asked him specifically. So this, oh, really? is, I asked him specifically one time that, and he goes like, "I ain't gonna be no offensive tackle." Look at me, I'm offensive tackle. I was like, he's like, "No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm the." He I'm kinda, mess up the physique, played, and he played ten years as a tight end and yeah. made a made a Pro Bowl, yeah. and he's won a Super Bowl is a contributor, you know, to the I think the Patriots. So. He did it right. I'm just saying, I think he could have been one of the better offensive tackles if he would have chosen that route. This Hall of Fame-ish. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was going to take the conversation somewhere else. Go ahead. Completely Go ahead. off track. Absolutely. I, took, I took it to the 2008 draft. It's fine, but you, you, you were talking about offensive tackle mm-hmm. and then weight, and it made me think of Lyle Collins. Have you guys seen him recently, like in pictures? Mm-hmm. Like how, how different, like he's lost a lot of weight. Like, Has he? Yes. He looks so much slimmer right now, and I get and I see people commenting going back to how he was like, what was it? Was it last year where they were talking about him getting here out of shape? Yeah, he's out of shape. Yeah, a little overweight yeah. or something. But he he he's on a diet or something because he he is slimmed down for sure. I don't. Know, but <laughs> well, you know, I saw the pictures of him fishing, but I hadn't. I didn't notice him being slimmer. And maybe it's just kind of the angles or whatever. Or maybe the clothes, but he he's posted yeah. some where he's like dressed up or you know a little shorts and tight. Yeah, shirt. I hope he's not and, wearing little shorts. Well, not that little, but you know what I mean. It, <laughs> yeah. it fitted clothes that you can tell how much slimmer he is right now compared to what yeah. we're used to yeah. seeing him. I thought that was a little unfair that that that, that happened last year and talking about him being overweight. Now that he had hip surgery that ended his season. Um, if you have hip surgery, if you need hip surgery, that means you have a hip problem. And if you have a hip problem, you're probably not running sprints. I mean, you're not walking. You're not doing anything. So yeah. his body type is one that if he sits around probably too much, he's not going to be. He's not going to look that great. So yeah, he's probably out of shape because he needs hip surgery. You know, yeah. I, and 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 that's what happens, and it happens in the media. And why is he not playing? Then you hear it and report, and the next thing you know, you, you got this image that he's sitting there watching The Price Is Right, eating Twinkies all summer when he's really that's not the case. Snickers. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's a sponsorship joke. Don't worry about it. All right, let's uh, let's move on. 
I do think we have a couple minutes where we can talk about maybe the first round pick of 2017. One Taco Charlton. What does he land for you? Didn't make it through his first contract. Did end up in Kansas City. Was hurt last year. We still don't know what the rest of his career will be. But he, he made – he got a couple sacks, I want to say, in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. He had a couple sacks here. There were some moments here where I was like, okay, maybe he's going to get it now. Uh, but never really quite got it. Not enough for them to even mm-hmm. keep him around for the end of his first contract. So where do you think he falls? I think he, you know, he's one of those that you put all the meat on and the sour cream and the guacamole and everything and you're ready Talk to go. And then it just, just drops. Like, dang it. <laughs> Where it went. It was all looking good, ready to go. Look, right as you're about but, to yeah, just take that crap. bite, it just kind of like, yeah, falls apart. Doesn't mean you don't eat it. I mean, you still figure it out how to eat it. It's just not what you kind of expected it to be. Okay. So, anyways, I, I think he was it, like your typical first round pick. I've said this all along. If his name was John Charlton, I don't think he would have been picked that high. I don't. I think it was this Taco Michigan. You think that affects the scouting group? <laughs> I know fans are like, ooh, Taco, but. You think the scouting group cares about his name? So dumb. I do. <laughs> you put a you last do. name on the jersey. Like, what would you worry about the first name? I think. I think the whole thing. I think the whole mystique of him at all. I mean, he's got the height. He's got the look. He's got the name. Is a, a, a lot of that. I think it just kind of goes into it. I think I, the fans uh, at Michigan probably think he was better. And then I, I think even the coaches, all that. And the, yeah, you look at the scouting. You see the plays. But I just, I just think. You know, when you get down to it, he, he just he wasn't that good. Yeah, I do think names. I think that affects a lot of it. I really do. The scouting. I, I think I'm, I'm not talking about just the scouting, or just like the Cowboys evaluating him. I'm talking about his whole mystique from the time he's at Michigan and all that. I yeah, I I, I think so. I think it does. Hmm. In a in a weird way, I I do. I believe that. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, Maybe. he didn't. He didn't. He definitely didn't perform like your first round pick should be, and they wanted him out of here. I mean, like was he, he all the way? Do you put him in the bus category? He's got yes, he's got to be. He's got to be a bus. They didn't even want him in on the team for a couple. Of years. I mean, to finish out his contract, it's like let's get rid of this guy. So that that tells me all I need to know that that yeah. I mean, they didn't even want him around. They they thought they were better off without him. So yeah, yeah. As a first round pick, mm-hmm. Amber. Uh. Can we use bust on this yeah, one? Yeah, that's a bust. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bust. Uh, poor guy. And, and to be fair, to be fair, he just didn't fit in, not just on the field, just in general with the locker room. He just did not fit in with the group. And I guarantee you that affected just his overall performance. If there was even going to be some kind of growth and development, I mean, mentally, that has to affect you when you just don't fit in with your own group that you're supposed to be working with. And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But, yeah, it, it just it wasn't good. Yeah, I think the, the damning part is you got a first-round pick that you decide midway through his first contract, yeah, we're better off without him. Not that we're going to keep developing. Not that he's going to just not be active. Like, literally, we're better off with him not on our team. That's when you get to that term bust, in my opinion, because no one and no one's wildest expectations do they say, I'm going to spend a first round pick on someone he won't make it through his first contract. You, I've seen first round picks that don't play, they don't start, but that, I mean, when you're off the team, that's a whole different level. And for me, that's it's very clear that this was a bust pick. This may have been one of the worst picks the Cowboys have had from that standpoint of a first round pick that doesn't even make it through the first contract. And like I said before, sometimes you—it's not just about the player that you were here and what you weren't, but it's the players that were on the table mm-hmm. and were drafted right yep. behind you at the same position, like a TJ Watt, and you know, was performing was, extremely yeah. well for his team. And, yeah. and that's why I think it goes back to like current coaches and stuff like that. When when McCarthy says and 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 Mike Nolan says, and then of course now uh, Dan Quinn. When they say, you know, we're going to run multiple schemes, um, yeah, that might be harder to, to get them all on the field and figure it all out, and, you know, and, and do that. But if if a TJ Watt is sitting there with Taco Charlton and you're over here telling the media that we can play multiple schemes, then you better get the damn better football player like TJ Watt. Don't tell me some crap that he can't fit in your scheme. Because now you said your scheme could get anybody in here. So that's where I hope we see a difference is we don't see those type of situations where, ah, he doesn't really fit our scheme because I thought the scheme could fit anyone. 
And that's one of the reasons why I'm personally a believer in never drafting for a scheme because there's too much turnover in the NFL when right. it comes to coaches, coaches players, the whole nine. Yeah. So you don't know if you're going to be in the same scheme two, three, four years down the road. And so for me, I'm like, give me the better football player mm-hmm. and then coach, figure out how to use them. Yep. If you got to change up some things in order to get the best out of that player, that's what coaching is. Figure out how to put your people in the right. best position to be successful. Yep. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll, we'll finish up this list. We'll see how far we can get on 2017. Maybe we get 2018, and then maybe we'll have to finish the rest of it the week of the draft. We'll figure all that out. We'll have Dave back next week, so that'll slow us down even more. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> appreciate you joining us. Till then, for Nick Eatman and Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!